Hello, welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin, and today I am joined by the fantastic, the wonderful Andrew Buchanan. Hi, Helen. Great Hello. to meet you. Likewise, thank you for joining me. Let me explain uh, why Andrew Buchanan is here with us today. We are talking about commercial awareness. And for a business psychology firm, that's not necessarily the most usual thing for us to be talking about, uh, because people tend to look for people like yourself, Andrew, to get uh, sk skills on sales and commercial thinking. What's interesting is that we are increasingly asked to help companies with either commercial commercial awareness for their uh, frontline people like sales, customer service, and so on, more so for HR, talent, L&D teams? How can they be commercially aware? And the big thing for me is that this isn't just a skill that you can go, oh, okay, I've done that now. I, I can now tick the box and say I'm commercially aware. And because of your background and the incredible way that you develop sales teams, I thought it'd be really interesting for us to have this as a conversation and, and kind of see what we come up with for people listening as top tips for them to become more commercially aware. So before we dive into all of that, um, let's first off get a bit of, of who you are and, and what you do. I mean, I've had the great privilege of working with Andrew in not-for-profit organizations, in commercial organizations, and seeing just how clear and simple he makes the development of sales teams. Andrew, tell everybody listening about how you've come to be doing what you're doing and, and indeed what you do now. Great. Thanks, Helen. Um, yeah, this is a great topic. I, I think we're going to have a great uh, 15, 20 minutes here. Uh, so I'm Andy Buchanan. Um, I'm a sales strategist and sales coach. And in a nutshell, what I say to people, I guess you call it my elevator pitches, I help companies win more business by helping their sales teams in particular be more productive and more efficient. Um, and so I do that by uh, a three a three pillar methodology really it's called define engage and train coach and really that's all about defining what they're trying to achieve uh, making sure the engagement is making sure everybody's on side with that and everyone agrees with that and then of course training and coaching people to execute on that plan and and really i've had a whole career in, in sales um right my very first job was selling and I spent 37 years selling. And over those years, I've had the privilege to work for some very large organizations like IBM and GE, uh, Polycom, et cetera, that were, you know, turn over billions. And I've also had the benefit of also starting my own small software companies and working in some very small companies as well. And of course, what that gave me was a great ability to have some of that corporate framework, but also some of that entrepreneurial spirit and you put those two together and it turns out actually that um i can coach sales teams well and this whole commercial awareness uh, is very much part of that framework that we uh, coach yeah fantastic and i love that point as you say about having the both the corporate framework the benefit of being in those big organizations and then bringing that to the more agile, fluid startup environment. Um, because often I think there's a, a tendency in smaller organizations to say, we don't want to be the corporate. We don't want to do things like the big companies do. But there's often so much benefit in, in understanding, okay, well, how do they do it? And where can we cherry pick the best bits? Um, yeah. So indeed, let's start to talk about those best bits. What advice do you give to sales teams about, I guess, 
there's both a why and a and a what slash how here. So why is commercial awareness so important? And then how do they build it? Yeah, that great question, Helen. So why is it important? So if you think that from a sales perspective anyway, um you're going to have been given three things. You're, I call it sometimes the curse of the three T's. Uh, you're given a title, sales director, account exec, um, business development manager is a big one at the moment, BDR, BDM, et cetera, all these things. Uh, you're often given a territory, so that could be a geography, you know, um, north of England, London. It could be the legal industry. It could be um, retail. And then you're given a target. 500,000, a million, whatever. And then the expectation is that a salesperson, because he's got his three T's now, he can just go off and do it. And of course, the whole point of it is he's there to hit a target. But even if you've been in the industry a long time and selling for a long time, you need to be commercially aware. And what we mean by that is, okay, so how are you going to sell enough in blunt terms to hit that target? And so I tend to spin that round for them. And the how is, okay, rather than looking at it as how can I sell a million pounds worth of blue widgets to my sector, my geography, my territory, I spin that round and go, okay, how can I get those people to buy from me? Mm -hmm. I turn that on his head. And it, a lot of people go, yeah, but it's the same thing. And go, well, it isn't. Because the selling is very much you look at your product, you look at your blue widgets and what your blue widgets do, and you talk at the client till you hope he's going to go, yeah, I think I may need those blue widgets. To me, commercial awareness is knowing what your customers' issues and problems are and where your blue widgets fit into solving those issues and problems and challenges and therefore, being able to talk about their challenge, which in turn will get them to go, do you know what, Helen, I think I need to buy your blue widgets, which is very different from just telling them about your blue widgets. And if you talk long enough and fast enough, <laughs> you'll wear them down and eventually go, oh, all right, just, just give me the blue widgets. So commercial awareness to me is about knowing why, in sales terms, why somebody would want to buy your blue widgets, not how can I sell those blue widgets? Mm. That makes sense or is that a little yeah. bit? No, it's really interesting. And I can see, as you say, why some people would say, but you're just saying the same thing in different words. That's just semantics. But as you've described it, it is a very different mindset. And I think that's why, again, if I if I link this back to working in HR, L&D, talent, when, when we talk about commercial skills and uh, influencing and negotiating or even actually calling it sales, people have a bit of an allergic reaction to that because I think when we hear the word sales, we think of the double glazing salesperson who is, as you say, talking really fast, talking to weigh you down, just trying to get a number. Whereas if we think of selling, influencing commercial skills as getting you to buy in, getting you to be interested in what I'm saying, helping you solve your problems, those are incredibly useful skills. Yeah, there's a great phrase I use in one of my uh, modules. I think I've done a video with this in the title as well um which is nobody wants to be sold to but everyone loves to buy mm -hmm. and if you look at that even in personal life you know when we all go out out shopping uh whether we want to or we're made to um 
Yeah, we go out shopping and what we all hate, certainly in the UK, we hate walking into a shop and being pounced on by an assistant, even if we think we're going to buy something. What we like is somebody who encourages us to buy but doesn't just try and sell to us. And so most people switch off if they think they're being sold to. However, if you have someone who's there for you and is perhaps giving you guidance and perhaps saying to you about why that may work or may not work or whatever, you're more likely to want to buy. A lot of the time, even for me, and I do love a good sales pitch, but I'll walk into a shop and if they're overpowering, unless I'm in the right mood, I'm just going to walk out. So again, nobody wants to be sold to, but everybody loves to buy. And that's the real difference. How do you get people to buy uh, rather than just being selling, you know, and as you said, in HR, it's very similar. How do you get your staff in effect to be buying into what you're about rather than you just go, you should be into this because I've told you this is what you should do. So again, it's the same bits in the brain that are at work when you're buying and selling a commodity or if you're trying to sell or get someone to buy a framework, um, a, a direction, a vision, um, et cetera. So. Yeah, brilliant. So I want to go into then uh, more of the nitty gritty, I guess, on how to become more commercially aware. So, okay, let's get super simple. How I need to become more commercially aware. What do I need to do? So you need to become commercially aware what do you need to do? Well, first off, it actually does come back to, do you really understand what it is your company actually does for its clients? So I do a little test and I do this um, when I first meet a sales team. I also do it when I'm helping clients at, at conferences and exhibitions. I will go up to a stand, theirs or a competitor's, and I'll ask a very simple question. And I'll say, what is it that you do for your customers? And 99% of the time, they tell me about their product. Mm-hmm. So they'll tell me about their blue widget. Now, what happens is they tell me about the blue widget and what it functionally does They've now left me to join the dots and I'm now having to work out, okay, do I have that problem? If so, is it big enough problem to want to do anything about? Uh, If I do, is it valuable enough to keep talking? And by the time I've realized that, yeah, I do want to perhaps uh, buy into that blue widget, the salesperson's moved on and is now talking about the yellow widget. And of course, I'm not listening because I'm still trying to work out what it is. So what I say first off is, do you all know what it is that your your company does for your customers? In other words, what problems and challenges are your customers facing Mm -hmm. that you can then go, go into and solve with your solution? And so first thing is always understand not your technology, mm-hmm. but understand what problem are you solving for your customers. And often that is not in anybody's induction course. No. The induction course is about here we are, um, here's the company, here's how amazing we are, here's all the awards we've won, here's why we're number three, number one in the market. And by the way, now here's our products, here's what they do. Uh, here's how much they are, blah, blah, blah. And so the whole induction process is all about the company 
Mm-hmm. Rarely is it about, and here's how we help our clients. So that's the first piece. Understand what you do for your customers. And that's so powerful because, you know, immediately I can see how that works in HR. So a classic one I hear all the time is HR wants to introduce a competency framework. And the business response is, that all sounds a bit corporate. sounds like you're writing down common sense. Like literally you've got the word listen and what it means to listen. That's embarrassing. Why are you sending me a 72 page document with that written down? And HR are trying to sell. It's a competency framework. It's a good idea. This is what we need. As you say, if you switch that to who is your customer and how does it benefit them, your customers, business managers, business leaders, they're there going, sometimes my team doesn't listen. And I I don't really know how to have a conversation with them about the fact that they're not good at listening or they're not good at acting more collaboratively and breaking down silos. Well, actually, then if you've got this competency framework, it it helps you have a conversation about that and helps you give that feedback and address that problem. So it's just shifting that language, really powerful. Yeah, I'm working with one right at the moment uh, where we're trying to get them to uh, grow the business, win more business. And one of the things we've we've discovered is from a management team and a board, they're wanting people to be more open in meetings so everyone knows in real time what the challenges are. Mm-hmm. The problem is there's a bit of a blame culture. Mm-hmm. So, of course... When you're saying you must be more open, you must grow, we've got them, and some of this I'll have learned from you, Helen, to flip the question and go, okay, what is stopping you mm-hmm. sharing more in these meetings? Because we know it's beneficial for all of us. It's good for you because you'll get the help you need and da-da-da. And, of course, it's come back at, well, actually, what we'd really like is to, in some cases, give some anonymous feedback. Mm-hmm. And in other cases, we'd like a time almost where no one can interrupt and I can say my piece and my piece is taken at face value, not them come back out with, ah, oh, yes, but. Mm-hmm. And so it's, again, understanding in their case, their customer, which is their sales force. Um, so, yeah, it, you're, you're, you're spot on that. You can ask me a second question there, I think. Uh, you, you started because that was point number one. So you were going on to point number two. Carry on. So point number two. Yeah. So you've now discovered what what problems it is your customers are facing that you believe you uh, can solve and the second thing is is then to explore and become not an expert in your product but an expert into your market and its challenges and so an interesting finding is what customers are wanting now particularly at a senior level is they're wanting their trusted advisors suppliers vendors to be experts in their field, not experts in their product, but experts in their field. So if you're looking after the legal industry, for instance, they're expecting you as a salesperson to not just understand what you do, but what are they facing? So when you're in meetings with them, you understand their language, you use their language, but also you can inform of the issues they're probably currently going through, but also, and this is what customers really like is, hey, by the way, did you know that this is probably coming down the track for you? This problem is going to be coming down the track. But don't worry, we've seen this before, we have helped before, and therefore we can walk this journey with you. 
That's what customers want. So once you know the problems, two, secondly, you have to understand that marketplace mm. and what's happening, what's happened, what's happening, and what you believe is going to happen. Mm. And I see very often that salespeople do not really understand their marketplace. Yeah, which highlights so much for me. One is that for you to understand that marketplace, you can't just say, oh, I've done that now. Like I said at the beginning, you, you've got to be constantly researching that marketplace and finding out what the trends are and talking to other people about what they're seeing. And so there's a challenge for us here to always be doing that research and, and staying up to date and maybe even being a bit, uh, I don't know, analytical, uh, thoughtful ourselves on what could we imagine those problems could be. Um, and again, bringing this back to HR, I see that happening a lot in kind of workforce planning. So we talk about the great resignation or the great reshuffle, whatever language people are using at the moment. And we see, OK, we're seeing people leave. We're seeing, um, you know, maybe some of that boomerang effect where people realize the grass isn't greener and they come back. We're seeing the challenge around do we need to give more flexible working arrangements, yeah. allow people to work from home more. I'm hearing a few HR people who are more commercially aware are going to their business leaders and saying, okay, that's what's happening now. Let's think six, 12 months down the line. Let's imagine that we're cost of living crisis continuing to go on recession, continuing to go into that. How is that going to affect how our people are feeling, what they're expecting in terms of pay, what they're expecting in terms of flexible working? Because if we think about, getting those things right now, we're ready for those problems we're going to face in six, 12 months time. And so then as you say, instead of just being, oh, well, I don't know if I want to talk to HR, actually, please, HR, come into my business meetings because you're adding incredible value for us to think about the future of our workforce. Add so much value. Yeah. And if you think about it, I don't think there's ever been a time in my career where workers and their working environment and conditions, i.e. flexi working, et cetera, has become a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. you know, in the old days of the city, everybody went in for about nine o'clock. Everyone came home for about six o'clock. Any form of London waiting was roughly the same amount of money. Most offices were Bath Canary Wharf, which people like, oh, it's a bit, you know, a bit further out. Most people were within literally the square mile. So for a lot of my career, you know, it, the working conditions were not um, an, a business advantage. Whereas now, you know, the the you can get some really top talent that perhaps you couldn't have got before because they may not live within daily commutable distance from your current office. So now, being commercially aware, I, I say to a lot of my clients, your working conditions are now a competitive advantage. Mm. It's not just your product. You're, if you're allowing people that flexible nature, et cetera, et cetera, um, unlimited holidays, one that's very popular right now, um, you are going to actually have an advantage with that. And that's being commercially aware. Yeah, fantastic. So it seems hard to make that super practical because it depends, right? So if I say, okay, so again, how am I going to become commercially aware? Well, if you want to become commercially aware about the legal industry, you might do X, Y, Z. If you want to become commercially aware about working conditions and how those are becoming a competitive advantage, you'd have to do a very different set of research. What advice would you give someone on how to 
identify the research they can do so that they can come become more commercially aware? So one of the first things I always did, um, certainly talking from a sales perspective, and I coach all of the sales teams to do the same is when you um, join a company or if you haven't done it for a while, maybe refresh once a year, go out to your actual clients and ask them, why do they use you? Now, a few of my clients said, oh, yeah, but they might not realize they're still paying us and may not want to carry on. Um, that has happened in the 30 years I've been doing this, 37 years I've been doing it, but rarely. When I asked one small company in the in the financial space to go and do that, interestingly, their, their customers came back and told them, we're critical, we're, you're essential to our business. It was amazing. And so we went, okay, but why? And as they explored why, of course, that enabled them to go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that was so beneficial to you. So, of course, guess what we used in our next sales um, plays? Mm-hmm. We used what that customer had told us to go into similar customers and say, hey, I don't know if this is the same for you. This is what we can do. <laughs> you have this same challenge and problem. Yes, yeah. we do. Well, guess what? And in their case, they often talk to each other. They're not seeing. So you could actually say, go and talk to them mm-hmm. and they'll tell you just how we helped solve that problem. So first thing is go and ask your clients, mm. why do you use us? And why is one I'm working with? They have a 98% renewal rate, uh, which is amazing over five years but they don't know why. So I said, well, go, go ask. And guess what? The words critical come up all the time. Essential. Now they're quite subjective. So you need to go and ask, okay, when you say critical, what do you mean? I think it should mean that the same, but I'll still take critical um, and essential. And so firstly go off. And, and of course, what they tell you then will steer. I need to know, I need to understand a little bit more about that. So I need, need to go and do some research, um, on the web or whatever and i'd probably spend three to four hours a week researching on the web uh varying topics depending on what i'm hearing and thinking so i think there's a challenge so i'll go and research and say is that just me or is there a challenge mm-hmm. and interestingly there's um a well-known um research company that did a survey that basically asked five thousand customers what vendors didn't do for them okay so what mm-hmm. vendors don't do mm-hmm. and the number one uh 75 of those responding said that the vendors and suppliers do not understand our businesses needs and challenges mm-hmm. so nobody well actually 29 percent embarrassingly said the vendor didn't seem to understand their own product which is Classic. very awkward very awkward but 75 percent said they don't understand us yeah, my mind is to get very practical again and granular. If you have been given a list of customers and you're going to approach those customers, the best thing you should do before you ever darken their doors is to go and research at least those customers, their report and accounts, their websites, uh, the news about them, their competitors. Do you know? You may not know much about your own product because you might be new, for instance. But you'll get away with that because there's always somebody with you who does. But if you can understand their business and talk about their business, they'll love you. They'll think you're amazing. They'll think you're that phrase that's been overused, trusted advisor. Yeah. And again, so many opportunities within a company 
you know, get out to you. If you're if you're working for a retail company in HR, talent, L and D, get out into the retail stores. Go and find out. Look at what the news is saying about the retail environment. Look at what the news is saying about your company, your competitors. Go and find out about the business and their challenges. And I love that as well to go to your customers and say, "Why do you use me?" Because in HR, I can go to my business leaders within the company and say, you know, what have you found has added value from HR and what extra value could you be benefiting from? You know, what is it that you wish if you had somebody from HR at the table, what do you wish they could bring? Because we can find out in exactly the same way you're describing with external sales, all of the things that give us the in and earn us. So many HR people will say, I never get a seat at the table. This is the way to earn that seat at the table. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Going in HR terms, yeah, I wonder how many, being a bit controversial, I wonder how many HR managers, HR directors in large companies, you mentioned retail, I wonder how many of them have been into one of their own stores in recent times and worked out, you know, from head office, we think the problem will be this. Mm-hmm. You get you get right into a shop and realize, actually, no, the real issue is this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's a, a good challenge for anyone in HR. When did you last go to the, the cold the front shop end or yes. the line or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Andy. It's been a pleasure as always to hear from your expertise and get those super practical tips. Thank you. Uh, And from our side, you know, if you're listening to this and thinking, I do want to develop my HR team or my external uh, teams to have these commercial skills, then come and speak to us. Andrew, if people want to follow up with you, how can they find you? How can they work with you? Yeah, if they look me up, Andrew Buchanan of Future Consulting on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is Andrew. Um, it's futureconsulting.io. Um, and yeah, feel free to. I'm I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So if people want to message me, and always happy. And uh, as you know, Helen, always happy uh, to give away some uh, time to people if they just want to chat. Always happy to give away uh, an hour in person or on Zoom. I'm in London most of the week as well fantastic amazing thank you so much andrew thank you everyone for listening we'll see you again soon thanks bye